Pizza Noah by Denver Day, Book 3, Chapter 10, Adventures on Parole. Crimson and the Missus and the four rollers and two San Diego detectives began making their way south on Interstate 5 about 9 p.m. Sunday. They would stop and load up on breakfast and coffee in the small hours then continue on to arrive at Oakland by noon. To retain a more widespread logistical positioning, Sandy and Kitty were remaining in Tacoma to guard the home front. There were still a few moondogs loose in the area anyway. The southbound caravan regrouped at a truck stop somewhere north of the border between Oregon and California. Some showered, some exercised. They all ate and decided to spend the night where they were for the sake of their safety, health, and sanity. The identity of Lydia Chapel, the mysterious woman with a crimson who had yet said very little to anyone, was made much clearer to the traveling party over the meal they had at the truck stop restaurant that night. She was a victim advocate and a prison reform activist with an institutional interest in Crimson's welfare and his community reintegration. Leading up to and subsequent to his ADC parole, her personality incorporated a fierce and charismatic devotion to her work and her subjects in any case, or on all of her cases. And when she and Crimson fell in love, it engendered a magnetism beyond, certainly beyond words. For this couple, their future was bright and their past was a formidable education for their now-combined course in life. The snafu of them bungling into werewolf weirdness only served to enable and encourage them further in their campaign of love and righteousness, leaving them at the doorstep of a mysterious, challenging, adventurous cause, the likes of which they were ill-equipped to reject. Late Monday morning, the group re-arose and re-breakfasted. One has to eat, and anyway, there was uh, no reason for this to be a hell run. It was more of a business vacation. <clears throat> Perspective. While they ate, Veronica outlined the attack plan as it would be presented to Chief Wilson of the Oakland PD. Their quarry was grouping in small groups, a tendency that had been exemplified by the Inland End situation. It seemed they came out at night because they were nocturnal to begin with and also because they could integrate at minor levels with only the darkest and most seedy of nighttime subcultures. Even if they had wanted to, the Moondog things could would not be able to come and go freely in well-lit places or in broad daylight because any normal upright citizens would immediately recognize them as some kind of drooling monstrous abomination dug up from hell with that needed to be immediately exterminated in any way the traveling party set out from glendale about noon they arrived in oakland about eight o'clock and met with the OPD Sam Wilson at a diner near his office not far from Oakland Inner Harbor. Something about diners. Detective Thompson had done a fair and thorough job of explaining to Wilson that he should expect from his what he should expect from his visitors, so this short meeting served as a pro forma introduction with a get straight to business inclination. And that they did, luckily, Wilson had worn his leather, and about 15 minutes later they were off to some sort of rave or another, an ideal place for the moondogs to blend right in and kill weirdos. The girls knew exactly 
where their targets were gathered, which was the main reason why the various local law enforcement personnel could easily be convinced to work with them. They rounded up Wilson's vehicle into their caravan and headed south down Loop 880 for a few miles toward Raider Stadium, where the drug culture event was only just getting underway. The rave setting was a who's who of the vice squad and Ann pushers, and a general nightmare scenario for parents everywhere and anywhere. There were plenty of old crusty types, but the crowd was statistically very young. There were plenty of obvious examples of kids who were not legally adults, not that kids in their early 20s can be trusted with much. As adults, not unless you know them well enough or they're the right kids, but anyway, this was primarily not the college crowd or not for long, if any, constituents. This wasn't even the aspiring circus crowd. Frankly, certainly not in a good way, and these were the dropouts, and a huge portion of this bunch were here to do hard pharmaceutical drugs known to have lifelong negative physiological effects, not to mention the many other hazards present. It was a perfect place for these monsters to lurk in the shadows and people hunt. Meanwhile, back in Tacoma... Thompson and Kitty were having a nice lunch after getting a good night's rest and sleeping in. After the exciting events of Sunday night, Thompson was sold on hiring the whole liquors team onto the state police force. Bars he carried natural, bioelectrical weaponry, standing naked capability, such as what he witnessed being Wielded by Kitty last night was the answer to anyone's problems anywhere for any purpose. As far as he was concerned, he offered to help again that night. No slackers here was the message he wanted to send. Quid pro quo. After they had blistered the storage area the night before, the county boys had again come and fetched the two carcasses, which were now in the custody of Dixie. They paid their obligatory visit after finishing their meal. These two fricasheed uh, werewolf women were not wearing their uniforms bearing their erstwhile human nicknames as derby girls so their identification was not a task so precise for the police as it had been with some of the previous derby wolf bodies the corpses did not appear to be in any real different condition of dead as a result of the means of their demise that is they did not show that with the forensic indicators that a regular person would after being electrocuted if I say that right. This was not to be regarded lightly because dead as they were now, these creatures had proven their tendency to revitalize and kill again. Uh, Dixie, being well aware of this pesky trait of theirs, had bound them in full-body cuffs, which were, well, a rope, which were courtesy of the Pierce County Sheriff's Office. Kitty was, however in a position to give a strong approximation regarding their previous identities, prior to their demonification, that is, even before she examined their telltale tattoos in the late, under the fur, the late and former Jenny Raider and Butter Beaver of the Chino Wheeled Beaver Squad. At this rate, it won't be long before we are plumb out of Wheeled Beavers, Thompson observed. Yeah. Yes, and it bothers me some, Kitty said. I am concerned that the witching hour may descend upon some other squad just as soon as the beavers run out. 